welcome to yet another episode of the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week. We're the show that's getting you over the game line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. Whether you're listening to us on Eon Sports Radio or directly from our podcast feed, we're thrilled to have you. I'm Reg Roberts, or Rugby Reg to some of you, and uh, I'll be your host this evening. And joining me, as per usual, the one and only Matt Rowley. How are you, Matt? Mate, I'm good. Um, I was going to say Uru like I did last week, but then we actually got mail informing me that that's incorrect. Uh, to, oh, really? Yeah, that's a that's a that's like when you say goodbye is Uru in Australian. Um, so really, I'm back to saying g'day. Well, I think a fair few people probably turned off at that stage anyway, so <laughs> it might have been appropriate. Um, we've also got Hugh Cavill with us. How are you, Hugh? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. And I mean, it's pretty typical, Matt. I mean, I suppose just don't waste time in being wrong. Just get it right out from the start. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, Come out setting the standards as always. Exactly. Now, talk about setting the standards. <laughs> You, Matt set an, a fairly early standard last week as well. We, <laughs> we 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 thought we were going to try and share these nice, pleasant, you know, funny rugby stories to try and lift the spirits and the you know the experiences of our rugby uh, fans listening into us. We're going to tell these amusing stories from our youth, um, and Matt let us off. <laughs> Quite a bawdy story on a bit of a blokes tour over the over, over in Europe. Um, have you got anything a, a little bit less maybe explicit this week for us? <laughs> I do, I do, Reg, I do. Um, it was in a Queenstown bar at three a.m. and you would not believe he came up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Now, so I think this was back in back in the junior days when I was trying, and and the end the trials came around at the start of the year, and I was sick of sick of being in the E's, and I was always in the E's at school. Um, we went down to J, so it wasn't that bad in the in the way that the uh, alphanumeric alphabetical system went. Anyway, so I was desperate to stand out because as a second row, I was always in doing the hard yards. You know, I was a real sort of Kane Douglas type of player, unfashionable, but you know, doing all the hard work. And and um, I had a grey headgear at the time, and it was very plain. And a lot of other people had grey headgear. So what I decided to do in my um, my logic, uh, my my early teenage logic was go down into the garage and get out the spray paint. And uh, spray painted it bright red, and uh, helped me stand out in the trials, you know. So, so uh, I I, uh, I played in the in the uh, in the trials, and uh, I thought I had a, had a pretty good game actually, and 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 you know did did a few good things, and came out. And someone, as I walked off the field, people were running up to me. I said, "Oh, geez, I thought I did pretty well, didn't I?" <laughs> And said, "Oh, yeah, you know." People say, "What? What's happened to you? What's happened?" And so the paint, the spray paint, turns out wasn't really fit for human <laughs> consumption. It run all down, run down my face and down into my jersey, and so it was soaked with red at the time. So it looked like I was bleeding profusely from the you skull. You looked like a, a young um, Jean Pierre Reeves or David. That's Croft, right. <laughs> that's right. But um, Reg uh, made made the D's that year. Made the D's. Oh, 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 you bled for so, it. It was all worth cool. it. That's great. I played my rugby career. Uh, give us yours, Rich. Oh, mate, mine wasn't on the field. I, I, I don't know why this one came up, but I, I distinctly remember, and it must have been early 1984, my old man who was, um, uh, you know, got me into rugby and was a coach in his own right, took me along to Ballymore one day, and I think the Queensland team must have been playing Fiji uh, in an early season game. Obviously, no super rugby back then. Anyway, I was walking along the concourse to Ballymore, those who know it, in front of the McLean stand there pre-game, and my old man points out this older, distinguished-looking gentleman and says, that's the new Wallaby coach. Um, so it was obviously Alan Jones. So I was, I was what must have been 11 at the time, so autograph's a big thing. 
And then, anyway, three o'clock later that night, we were back at the bar, and um, no, so I, I went up to him with my autograph book and asked for an autograph, and he he signed it very pleasantly, which was nice. And then I walked away, and I I realised my pen and autograph book were a little bit sticky, and I looked at the back, and my old ink pen had leaked all over the back of my autograph book. And as I looked over my shoulder to to have a, a glance at Alan, I could just see him looking absolutely appalled at his hand was completely covered in blue ink. And obviously he was the new ball lobby coach. He would have had to shake a thousand hands that day covered in blue. So that was that was my early impressions left on uh, the, the Golden Parrot. Oh, man. Well done, mate. Yep, yep. There's plenty of people um, uh, who'd be quite happy to see that happen these days. Yeah, exactly right. That's why I think it's quite ironic. Now, anyway, look, that's just a little light-hearted start because we've got a fairly intense show today. There's been a little bit happening in Australian rugby over the last couple of weeks, so a few uh, issues we want to dig into with our five burning questions. So we'll list them off first and then come back to them and, and hit them as we can. So the first question, uh, this is Tuesday night we're, we're recording this. It'll be drop on Wednesday, obviously, and you'll be listening to us that night. But do we believe the ARU when they've come out and said that they've made no decision regarding the force. So obviously it's all come out today in the press that the force are being kicked out of the out of Super Rugby, but the AU have come out and said that no decision has been made regarding the force. So do we believe that statement? Question two. Uh, the AU apparently are due to announce a $3 million profit, the first profit since the Lions tour. Uh, is that a good sign? Is that a positive for the AU? Question three. Uh, the AU have also responded. So last week we talked about them being quiet. All of a sudden they're out there talking. The AU have also responded to this Morgan poll indicating uh, the diabolical rugby participation numbers. Who do we believe there? Is it the AU or, the, or this poll that's come out showing low participation numbers? Uh, let's get on to the field this time. So week that was, what's your high and low point of the round? And then finally, looking ahead, the Aussie teams, other than the Brumbies who are in the bye, are all playing Kiwi teams this week. What can we expect? Will we win a game? So um, a fair bit to go there first. Uh, Matt, this this whole force thing that's come up today, and I guess, you know, is it just another day? This has been mooted for a little while. I think we're probably having a similar discussion last week, but all of a sudden it's, it's gained a lot of momentum today, and the ARU have actually come out and said no decision's been made. Do we believe them? Um, well, I just wanted to say that uh, I'm glad we've got this second round of questions because earlier in the day we had another round of questions which we pushed back on and said, can we make them a bit lighter? Uh, yes. And this is actually the light set of questions that yep. we came up with. Well, look, I mean, the great thing is is that the ARU state, um, came out with a fantastic statement which we all got by email um, in which they wanted to clarify its current position um, and then basically <laughs> went through and just said uh, nothing. Basically, um, we you know we wish to confirm for the public record that no decision has been taken on the removal of one of Australia's Super Rugby teams. Um, you know, AOU as a joint venture partner of Sanzo is working towards a final resolution in the shortest time frame possible, and will inform rugby fans as soon as an outcome is reached. So, look, I don't know if we're supposed to believe that there's a still a dartboard. No one's thrown the dart um, to figure out which uh, franchise is going to go. I don't think any of us do. Um, you know, everyone, I think most people believe or understand the AAU went in with um, a proposal um, as far as, you know, someone had to go. And you would have thought that they would have figured that out before they even got there. Um, you'd be putting that yep. forward if you didn't think there was a solution. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah, it's got to be there. Um, and it sounds like it's just waiting for the Saffirs to accept their fate or not. So, 
Um, now, whether it's actually the force or not, I don't know. Um, and I must admit, it, it really did hit me thinking about it. You know, when you finally heard the name, a name being yeah. sort of announced, suddenly you go, geez, you know, those poor buggers on the other side of the world, uh, other side of the world, other side of Australia, uh, who this podcast is aimed at, so the West Coast Elitist podcast, um, you know, they, you know, suddenly they've got nowhere to go watch, you know, live Super Rugby, um, you know, and and connect with a team that way. You're a long, long way away, really. So you, it kind of hits home, I guess, those those poor guys, if that's the situation. Um, but that, you've, yeah. got, you've got to think that. You know, they wouldn't have gone. They wouldn't have even gone to those conversations without having an idea who was going to go. Yeah, I, I agree. The key thing is, I, I don't think a decision's been made, but I think they've got a fairly strong proposal in their back pocket, ready to whip out once um, the broadcasters give their, uh, I guess, green light, and the, the Saffirs ultimately decide what they're going to do. Which we might get back to because I think that's a whole another story in terms of what we get there. But you're right, Matt. The implications of this. I mean, once you start thinking of it, and it's just not are given that these guys will move. I mean, guys like the Hallett Petty brothers who are effectively locals who have come through the system and, you know, and now at least Dane is starring on the world stage. It's a massive ask for him to have to move across the country and relocate himself from the family um, to, to, to continue his rugby career. Um, and they've got a strong number of locals over there. It's a, it's a massive kick to the teeth. What happens to the NRC now, which is only months away from starting? To uh, There won't be a Perth Spirit team, I imagine. Do we just drop down to eight teams? Um, I think there's Bledisloe's confirmed over there. All these implications. There's stadiums being um, developed. You know, the, the massive roll-on from just this one little decision effectively being made in South Africa. Hugh, Hugh, have you got much of an understanding of the South African perspective of this? It's it, it, a lot depends, supposedly, on this two teams being dropped from South Africa. But I get a get a bit of feeling that that's no sort of lay down there either. Well, why 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 would it be if we're so up in arms about dropping one team? How are the Saffirs going to feel about having to drop two? I mean, yeah, look, they've got six teams, but still. I mean, I can't see that decision being any easier. And and you could argue that their sick teams are much more competitive than what ours have been. Isn't um, that the hard I, I find it quite remarkable that, yeah. that in this we've just accepted that the Saffirs dropped two and we don't punt the Sunwolves completely. I mean, I don't know how that debate shifted and they've never really... Sunwolves have never really been in the firing line because to me they should be the first ones gone. Um, it's it's pretty remarkable that the way that this, this whole thing's unfolded and... And the longer it drags on, you feel, Reg, that just the more painful it's going to be. And, and part of me, when you just look at that Western Force article, I agree. I mean, look, regardless of, you know, who it's going to be, let's just rip the Band-Aid off because, geez, I mean, if we're going to give one of these teams death, let's make it as quick and painless as possible because it's it's going to be ugly and it's going to be messy. And, and, and God, I feel for the players, I feel for the fans and, you know, broadly paying for... Paying for the paying for sins that probably weren't theirs, which is which is um, something you don't like to see. So, look, I think the AAU have worked out that the force are probably the ones in the firing line. I think we identified it a few weeks ago, Reg. I mean, mm. Matt, uh, Matt, you know, you, you're pretty fond of of in 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 rugby. You know, generally follow follow the money because that's where that's where the um the interest's going to lie. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, it's the one thing the force don't have going for them. I mean, you consider the rebels are privately owned and got big government backing, and yet the force are putting out a prospectus for regular people to own their team. I mean, that that just smacks of, you know, that pretty pretty um, 
plainly shows you where the situation is there, that they're having to sort of go to the public, hand outstretched, um, and, um, you know, try, try to get cash off regular people because they're pretty desperate and, and um, clearly that they've just got, haven't, got a, haven't got a bean for, to show for it. The money question is really interesting, isn't it? Because I'd love to know. We keep a lot. Of, you know, I read the South African press, and they keep, or at least posters and all that sort of stuff, talking about the money Sansar gets from South Africa. That's the reason they're still involved, and the reason why we wouldn't split away is because we're relying on that South African money. I'd love to get a better understanding of that. Is how much we are actually getting, how much they are of value to the tournament in terms of from a financial perspective. And then on your own point, Hugh, is is the Sunwolves. No, like you say, no one's mentioned them other than the general punter. So, is there a big bucks there? We're not aware of. I know everyone keeps talking about the potential of the Japanese market or the Asian market, but are we seeing that? Is it a reality, or is it just an investment for the future? Which, to me, sounds like um, a massive cop out, and, and you know, we should be sticking with what we've got. Matt, do you have any clarity around the, the, that sort of money side of things, the market? No, well, not not at all. And actually, I, I guess it refers reflects on a point where you kind of. I mean, can you get hold of Sanzar's books? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I've never seen it or heard of it, um, so I'm sure there's some sort of, you know, anyway. But um, so it all seems to be pretty clouded. It'll be interesting. I suspect we'll get like a, a one-pager sort of statement um, on, on what the decision has been made without any real detail. And I think if that's the case, that'll be, um, well, I was going to say opportunity missed, but I think that'll, that will just that won't help a lot of people because who ask who would be asking questions like the ones you're asking about so how do you you know how did you tally that um, mm. I, I suspect they'll say Sansa decided we needed to go to 15 teams and then the home nations made their own decisions talk to them and those home nations will point their fingers somewhere else um, and that seems to be the rugby way unfortunately um, and which also probably touches on our next question we're going to talk about. But, well, um, but but in, in regards to that, Matt, though, does the truth make that any more palatable to the Western Force fans? Boop Hoover coming out and saying, "Sorry, guys, you just you just weren't earning enough cash for us," um, and ultimately your on-field results, you know, the Brum- on-field results will probably save will probably save the Brumbies. But unfortunately, you guys have been a pretty shit-ass rugby side for the past ten years, so you're not giving us anything there. And you know, unfortunately, you you're you're the first ones gone. Yeah, but you, I mean, is that which is which is the reality of the situation as I understand it? Well, you're going to have to give them something, right? Otherwise, it's just a pers- it's a you know beauty contest, and we just don't like you guys from the West. As otherwise, as you know, how else are you making the decision? Oh, yeah, you got you got you got. Well, give, I mean, it'll you, be it'll be a it'll be a buffet of uncomfortable platitudes, really. I mean, that's what it'll be, you know. Well, I love the West. It's so passionate, but unfortunately, a business decision had to be made. Yada yada yada. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I think you just wrote the press release. I think that's perfectly what it's going to be. But I think it's going to leave people pretty unedified. Um, you know, really, what you'd like to be. I don't know. So, so how did you guys stack it up? You know, who is losing what and how? Yep. These are all sort of eggshells that get moved around in Aussie rugby, and we never really have a good idea to the point where suddenly, you know, the Brumbies were in the firing line only a week. With, you know. That, popped in a couple of weeks ago, which none of us would have thought would have happened. So, uh, yeah, it's, like I say, I think it's moving into territory of question two. Um, but, you know, it'd be great to have some clarity. And it'd be great to have yeah. some clarity what people are expecting. You know, what what does go into what makes up the value of Sansar and the Super Tournament and, you know, and all the rest of it from a, uh, if it's from a TV rights point of view, well, kind of really what goes into that. Um, mm. There's... There's very little detail around that I've ever seen. Yeah, no, not at all. I, I 
you hear the AU reporting and even New Zealand and South Africa. South Africa, I think, just came out saying they're making a loss, but we don't hear much about Sansa. I'm not sure how that's all structured. The other, you know, with this force getting cut, if they do, how badly does it reflect on the AU but that they actually came in to help save the day with the force? And now they're the first team cut. I mean, it's it's. I don't know whether they're positioning this all all along to um, to make that case easier. I know they put a lot of redundancies in place and and whatnot. Maybe that was all part of the long con. But it's uh, it's not a great look for the AU, no matter which way you cut it. Well, no, my yeah, my sense is exactly what you just said though that that was that was all part of the plan. Yeah, they, they kind of um, yeah, it went to the, the to the hospice at that point. And it was just waiting. You know, how did you make it easier? Yeah. Well, you wanted. To and they are. You can. You wanted. Oh, you can say they. They yeah. did all they can to save them. You know, the, but unfortunately, the the Titanic was well below the you know the surface of the ocean at that point, so there was nothing to be done. But I mean, you know, they, even back then they started putting all sorts of stops on recruitments and what other and all sorts of bits and pieces. I think they've been winding it down for a while. So and, I, you know, yeah. while, while the rebels and the Brumbies were late running. Um, I think the force, the, the writing was always on the wall there. And the sad part about it is, with under Dave Wessels, they 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 seem to yeah, uh, yeah, early days, but they look better than they have. Yeah, you know, that actually does, you know, they they got so much ticker and they've got so you know, and they they look like they're sort of pulling it together. Yeah, maybe it's unshackled them a bit. I don't know. Well, and that, that's going to be the thing, though. It's a bit like a, a watching a team that's just fired their coach. You know, I th- you wonder if, if all of a <laughs> sudden, if if they will produce a sort of inspired burst of form, because it's you know all of a sudden it's this nobody believes in us, and the ARU don't want us in this comp, and we're going to, sh- and all of a sudden they've got something to play for. Yeah, uh, that'll be the fascinating element if they're told in two weeks' time that they're gone, how they play out the rest of the season. But let's let's leave that there. Um, look, let's move on to the the next quiz question and this is about the ARU so there's a little article in the paper the other day and this is this will come out at their uh, AGM which must be uh, in a couple of weeks time but the ARU are going to announce a three million dollar profit which um, I suppose is the first time since the Lions it's the first time out of a Lions series have made a profit or since the World Cup at all so seemingly all very positive Matt is is that how we can read this well I um, that's a (laughs) That there is a profit is good, right? So yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. It, it, it's not the other way. It's not. It's not um, a loss. So yeah, hey, that's positive. So uh, tick. But what I don't know, and I guess we won't know until we see the report, is um, but so what have they done or not done in order to be able to record that profit? Mm. Um, so again, where I I lost track of, I remember there was a strategy they launched. What was it? Ah. Oh, was, how long ago was that? Was that last year or was that the year before? Yeah. No, nah, it must have been last year. Okay. Before, the, leading into the Olympics and stuff, I think, yeah. Yeah, and then you remember that, you know, it all then suddenly got blown apart by the clubs going, what the hell? And then it was like, yeah, okay, guys, we're going to come back to you on that one. Um, and then when they never came back to us on that one. Um, yeah. And so, cause, and the whole point of that strategy, which we kind of debated um, a few times around, was where they were splitting the money and where it was all going to kind of go. Um, so my question is, so what's happened in the meantime? So where's the money gone? Have they distributed the same amount of money? Where did they get distributed to in order to still end up with a 3 million surplus? If they have, as per their earlier commitments, it'd be nice to know what they were, but if they have, then I guess, you know, it's a double tick because not only is there a surplus, but they did it by investing um, a whole heap of new money into Aussie rugby. So that would be really interesting to see. Um, I think in that article that announced 
when I say announced, leaked the three million po- uh, surplus um, by uh, Georgie Robinson uh, in the Fairfax media. Um, they, um, you know, actually, I think she made mention of the fact that some people would see it as a little bit disappointing, considering you had, you know, a sold out three test series against the Palms here during that year. Um, and it also raises some questions about what it's going to what's going to happen this year when we've got what is only can be described as a damp, damp squib. Um, so yeah, look on the face of it, three million bucks up sounds good. I understand that they're trying to work towards having a ten million dollars super uh, future fund together. Um, yeah, by twenty twenty, yeah, yeah, something like that. So yeah, which is you know um, which is all laudable. So yeah, if they're on track, then I doff me lid. I just don't know whether they what what track that is. Yeah, Hugh, what's your read? I mean, it's it's like uh, Matt says, the three mil profits better than a three mil loss. <sighs> Is it a positive turnaround? I guess they didn't. We you know was it last year we had to charge every junior kid in Australia funds to to play the game as well. Is that part of the the negative side of this, or is that just a fact of life now for uh, for grassroots sport? Oh, it's undoubtedly good news, Reg. I mean, I think I think there's plenty of ways to look at it. And yeah, look, charging the juniors is is not ideal, and and you can, as Matt's just sort of wrestled with, do do you, you know, look at what they have spent, what they haven't spent, and have, have they cut corners to achieve that? I think it's ultimately pretty good fiscal management and sound fiscal management to end in a profit where so many sports are struggling um to with their bottom lines and and to to keep the books um sort of afloat. So I think. On the surface, I agree with Matt. Let's tip our hats hats to them and um, and hope that you know whether we can put this money in our back pocket or we can uh, invest it for the future or, or you know or do what John O'Neill did and just spend money on rugby league players um, is a uh, you know is is a few options on the table for them. So look, there's plenty of negative stories around at the moment in Australian rugby. You don't have to look too far. I think this one, I think let's let's not um, let's not be too negative about it because it's it's a good story and and it shows you that. Those big tours, the England tours and the Lions tours, which you know you think we'll have with the Lions tours less frequently, but certainly England and and you know, it doesn't take much for the energy to be behind the Wallabies and 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 a bit of uh, groundswell of support and three sold out venues and and look, England are at the top of their game obviously and and you know and the Wallabies coming off a World Cup final, you know I don't think it takes much for us to re- rekindle that momentum and when we get that, the support of the public is there, the broader public, so. I suppose if that can if that can get us to a profit, then then great, and it all it shows you how much the Wallabies form affects our bottom line. Because if we can start winning games and getting sold out crowds in there, I think things tend to turn around pretty quickly. Yeah, well, I, I love that fantasy land you're living in at the end there. That was really nice. Um, but um, the, the... Hey, we're, we're the number three ranked side in the world somehow. Are we? Still. How the yeah. Hell? <laughs> that's amazing. That's that's a good that's a, that's an amazing news story in itself. But um, look, I tell you where I'll double dip me lid is if uh, if we've managed to keep to those spending commitments that we made and soak up every you know that's the big one up, yep. super rugby club yeah every yep. upturned um, sort of rock full of worms that you know came undone last year like wow um, and maybe that's the story maybe we did make an absolute shed load out of that England tour and it just got soaked up. Um, by you know all these holes that got found in just about everyone's balance sheets. Um, so yeah, if we've managed to, to do that, um, then yeah, then I'm doubly amazed. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a story. I think a bit of a, a fair chunk went to the rebels and so on. So. That. 
Thank England you. were paying about three. England were paying about three dollars for that series victory. So I just want you know the ARU did you know before the World Cup put a put a bit of a bet on England there as a sound fiscal strategy, <laughs> and that's you know that's why you're never going to see in the in the books. Well, I'll tell you what, mate. They could make a big profit this year with uh, Fiji, Italy, and a second string Scotland coming out. Rolling next year. Oh dear. Um, all right, lads, let's move on to uh, burning question number three. And this is still uh, you uh, related. So, Matt, I know you jumped up at this when we saw the uh, the Morgan poll come through with the latest participation figures. I've got my little bunny ears going around participation figures there. Um, <laughs> recently, which indicated that uh, there was only 55,000 participants in rugby. Now, some people picked up on the fact that that was uh, 14 and above. Many news agencies reported it as total participation figures, and uh, I think we're equal with ballroom dancing, which uh, was another well-quoted source. So that was a Morgan poll done. Uh, ARU have come out today disputing that. There's a a great article by Brett McKay, our mate, um, about uh, raising questions about it too, uh, before the ARU press release came out but uh Hugh have you got a feeling that, what was your feelings when you saw these figures initially did you uh raise an eyebrow or, or did you uh um think they were pretty fair um I, I I'm, so, I'm I'm sort of halfway in the middle here Reg I, I've seen the ARU response I've seen the the original figures um look it's an it's an interesting table I, I don't think anyone's going to argue that our numbers have increased since 2001 uh, you know which was probably you know well, arguably the peak of our game, or certainly in what you would consider to be the glory days, um, to have it drop by so much to sort of to that we're now sitting as a, on basically a third of what we were in 2001. I think it's probably a little bit of an overstatement. I, I don't think it's that far from the truth. And you look down that table, and I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting um, ups and downs in that time. And I know, you know netball's down a quite surprising amount, and leagues down, and and. And, um, you know, a lot of the contact sports are down. So it's, you know, broadly, I don't think anyone's going to sit and argue that we're better than what we were in 2001. And I think society's probably moving away from that sort of broad-scale participation contact sport. But, um, oh, sorry, that's my wrap-up alarm going there. I think that's that <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, thanks, Matt. That's the time. That, um, but, yeah, look, oh, uh, I think... Um, I think it probably overshot the mark a little bit. I, I'd, I'd be amazed if we were down that that much. And I've seen it at the coalface that certainly support and, and, and participation is is shrinking. But um, I, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle between where that Morgan poll says it is and where the RU says it is, if, if that makes sense. It, what doesn't help, Matt, is the traditional rubbery figures from the ARU in the past, and all rugby, uh, I guess, franchises, particularly <laughs> some of the northern ones up here. But um, it, it doesn't help build a case uh, when we know they're pretty dodgy to begin with. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, the, the, the ARU put out a rebuttal today to these things. You know, so, you know, paragraph three. In figures set to be published in the ARU's uh, 2016 annual report, last year 271,528 participants were involved in more than five games or structured settlements in in competitions and non-competition programs, uh, reflecting an increase of 1.5% or 4,000 new participants year on year. So you can paint whatever you want in that, right? So five structured sessions um, in potentially non-competition programs. So basically get some kids to run around a hoop, um, to run run around some cones, and there you go. 
Um, so, and I don't think anybody replying in a Roy Morgan poll is going to count that as them participating, you know, um, them participating in rugby. Look, looking at those numbers, so here's the other thing, right? So, what that doesn't take into account the well, what you have to factor in, I would imagine that Roy Morgan poll is like um, sort of like a popularity contest. So, how popular was rugby in 2001 versus how popular it is now, which would I think influence, mm. you know, how likely you are to put your hand up and go, oh yeah, yeah, I'm a rugby participant, you know, I participate in rugby. Um, you know, even around, even if the definition was exactly the same. Look, the way I read that, though, is it wasn't in raw numbers, as in the actual numbers, like there are only 55,000 people. No, no, it's um, a sample, yeah, it's exactly. a sample, so there's no way you can say that. Um, and But what I did read it as is kind of where we are in the pecking order um, versus those other sports and where we are in sort of relative sizes versus those other sports. And, and even if you kind of say that, you know, they're out by a factor of two, say, let's say, you know, only half as many, let's say you double it, um, you know, it's it's still you're still a long, long, long way off the mark um, of being near, you know, uh, even ten pin bowling. Um, you know, so uh, look, that, that, that's the thing. Yep. That, that's the thing for me. And what I think it just blows out of this water is the idea that there are four hundred thousand Australians or something participating in rugby. Yeah, look, but my rebuttal to that though is is this was yeah, like you say, a sample size, but of uh, 14 and above. So the top sports said, put aside soccer. We know soccer is the biggest participation sport. As you say, Hugh, I'm surprised netball is so low or at least there's a decrease there. But you look at that, that's golf, tennis, martial arts, you know, three just massive social participation sports. You're talking martial arts. That's just people going along and getting their yeah, yellow belt, black belt, whatever sort of week to week. So, uh, so golf and tennis are just massive social sports. It's why you know lawn bowls is there, it's darts, pool, all that sort of stuff is just on that social side of things. Basketball and cricket are up there too. Two massive sports from the golden oldies or from a master's perspective. So you know it's definite sway to that. You know, there's not many rugby players these days from 35 and above. You know, so there's 40 years of participants that all those sports cater for that rugby doesn't proactively. So you got to pick up that from a participation perspective well. In the end, we all know our participation numbers. That, that's my biggest gripe at the moment with all this stuff going on about Australian rugby is that um, people are just looking for more ways to sink the boot. And, and we all know it's not going well. We know our teams aren't performing well. We know people aren't watching and getting along. And we know the rugby's probably not as good as it was. Uh, the, the money's not in the code. But we don't have to jump on every little shadow to, to, to showcase how bad things are. Because I think this was a story that was blown grossly out of proportion and, and saw some ridiculous comments from media outlets uh, jumping on it without fully explaining what the whole um, story was behind it. It was um, blown out of all proportions. Well, uh, yeah, maybe. Like, but unless you think there's like... Like, I'd be interested... In, I haven't read the other arguments about why you should totally disregard this Roy Morgan poll. But, but, but like I say, the thing that absolutely makes it... I don't know, very telling or interesting for me is that I think it reads much more the sentiment of adults involved in this sport in a meaningful way. So at 14 and over, you're starting to make a choice about which sport you want to play. Um, and I take your point, Reg, so don't, you know, don't, yeah, yeah. You know, don't um, compare it with, you know, other participation 
games where you know it's like you say lawn bowls or whatever I, I i get that but you know comparing it against some of the other ones that you would say were sort of apples and apples like soccer or yep. afl and all those sorts of things it really gives you a feel for where you actually are um and versus the massage numbers of how many people we've managed to get run around some cones because that's going to help us get funding. Um, so I kind of also know why why we do that. But, you know, in that email again from uh, the ARU, they kind of go, yeah, okay, fine. Well, club rugby continued to, to slide. Again, where adults are choosing to put their time. Mm. Um, but we're all okay because of these other numbers. And that to me doesn't feel very, very genuine. Um, because I do think uh, whether adults are choosing to actually play the sport or not is is still relevant. Yeah, you're right, and because that's a market there. And Ian Payton did a good series of tweets today, and ultimately said, you know, all participation numbers in all sports are crook. And and you look at the gymnastics figures there, and it says there's 101,000 adults doing gymnastics at the moment. I would think that is a hundred times more than how many adults are doing gymnastics at the moment. I can't imagine there's more than 5,000 adults over 14 doing gymnastics. So rubbery figures all over the place. Pato says that um, uh, best reflection is Club 15s. So about 90K, he reckons, across the country. So figures aren't great. Closer comparative to to the league figures there. But, um, you know, take it with a pinch of salt, although it is a good indicator of where the sport is at the moment. That's a fair indicator, at least. Well, then I think one of the big growth areas is um, is Perth. <laughs> <laughs> we really did get something there, yeah. Oh, oh good. It yeah. was fun while it lasted over there. That old national right. footprint. Guys, can we talk about what's happened on the field at all? We've done a lot of off-the-field stuff, but uh, which is all relevant. But let's go through last weekend, guys. I want to know your high and low points uh, for the round that was. Hugh, I'm going to start with you again, mate. What was your... Your high and low, you got something? He's going to nick my high. Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> you can share a high because I'm sure uh, it's the okay. same thing. Uh, well, we did share it. We, we we shared a proverbial high on Friday night. I think all oh, Waratahs fans yes. in that in those uh, last few minutes there. But I think broadly, I, I think look, Matt, you can talk about the Tars. I'll I'll just talk about the game generally. I think I thought that was a fantastic game. It really restored my faith in Australian rugby. I think after a tough couple of weeks, you know, just seeing a seeing a what was a yeah, cracking game on the field. Both sides playing some really good, skillful rugby, um, good intent, and um, you know, well refereed. And and well, actually, Rebels fans might disagree with that, but you know, it it just kept the game flowing, and and some great tries scored. And and um, I don't know that you know at 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 the end there, I you know, I was happy the Tars won, but in reality, was happy for all three results because it was such a good game, such a high quality game. The Wallaby players stood up. We saw Bernard Foley come back, Reach Hodge in form. Um, you know, a couple of, couple of great little moments from um, Reese Robinson, who's coming into form as well. The Waratahs forward stood up. Will Skelton had a good game. Look, it was just one of those games, I think, that that we I think we needed to see. And, and if anyone hasn't, I encourage you to find a replay or something and watch it because it just sort of got you back to what makes Super Rugby so great and um, what makes rugby so great. So it, it, was a, it was a great game to watch. Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? I mean, it was... It, it... It was the best local derby we've seen for many a year. I can't recall one in terms of standard of rugby um, from both teams uh, being that high, let alone the finish, last-minute finish, was fantastic. And we had people tweeting from all around the world about it. You know, um, uh, the, the former Fiji Sevens coach 
who name uh, alluded oh, Ben Ryan. Ben, ben Ryan. Ryan raved about it. Stephen Jones, the the stuck up English journo, raved about it. Oh wow! Um, so it, it caught the eye from many people. So it was a, it was a great ad- advertisement for Australian rugby at a time we desperately needed a great advertisement for Australian rugby. Uh, Matt, have a go, mate. Extrapolate oh. more, particularly on those hmm. Waratahs. What, what was my yeah highlight of the week? Yeah, no, it was definitely that that match. Um, I actually, I actually tuned in at half time, thinking, "What the hell?" Um, yeah. And uh, but I, everyone tells me it was basically Reese Hodge twenty three or something, and the Waratahs three. Yep. Um, so yeah, look, um, I guess just maybe talking about some of the performances, I thought Ned Hannigan, uh, he's mm. really uh, starting to come to the fore. Um, just a very, very classy player. Makes a lot of the right decisions. Uh, good physicality, good size. I hadn't I hadn't seen him play at six before. I don't even seen him play second row. So it's good to see that he's actually providing he's providing another option there as well. Um, I think he's got Wallaby squad written on him at some stage. Um, when you think Scott Fardy's gone next year and mm. may not make it this year, I think yeah, I think that's a really good shout. Yeah, you'd, you'd think they'd start to pull him through as a as maybe that. That dare I say it, replacement for Mum in that um, you know five six role, um, and so uh, I thought that he was really good. But I thought the guy who actually made the massive change, uh, massive impact, um, was uh, Bernard Foley. Just the the direction that he added to the whole backline, um, and I thought was just remarkable. And suddenly it was like, oh, these Tars can play. And then also, uh, is it Nathan Horwitz? I thought um, David. David Howard, sorry, he had his yep. had his best match uh, for the Waratahs that I can remember, and obviously, um, you know, stole that last try, which I think they had a five on two, and he uh, <laughs> threw a dummy <laughs> and went himself. But um, as he said, luckily he won. But by all um, accounts, uh, that you know, the coach um, uh, just went absolutely. Daryl Gibson went absolutely nuts at half time at them. Apparently, he's very mild mannered, but he just lost his rag apparently, um, and I think he scared the crap out of them. And so they went out there, and and that, I think that was made it such a great game was that they really just got stuck in, and it was just huge effort, um, and then you know set it up for just a for such an exciting end. But geez, poor old Tony McGann. Oh my God, they, they had that heart rate checker on him. At one stage, he had a heart rate of fifty beats per minute. Like they. Like, don't you have that's that like, unhealthy? Isn't that like when you're asleep, <laughs> if you're lucky? Um, and, that, you know, with the with the look, with the kind of the red colour of his face, I was just like, Something, something's <laughs> going wrong there. Someone needs to hook him up to an ECG quick. Um, because, oh, my God, he must be going demented. Yeah, look, and due credit for the Rebels for their first half. I mean, they'll be shattered. That was such a good performance. And Reese Hodge, as you said, he hasn't been at his best this season, but... Those two trials were fantastic. That first one in particular, he actually caught the ball. I don't know if he wasn't expecting, but he was, he was flat and he was flat-footed um, and then still managed to put a monster step on Skelton, um, who did well to, to control his discipline and, and didn't go for the head-high tackle. But that was a, a great uh, couple of tries by Hodge. But the, the team as a whole looked fantastic that half and Corabidi's looking decent on the wing as well and, um, and uh, yeah, the back row as always. So... They, they have got a huge injury list, the Rebels. I saw it today, and, and still a lot of players still to come back, and obviously big names like Sean McMahon as well. So really feel for them, not least because I, I tipped them and then thought that would be my little chance to, to edge closer to the top and catch one H. Cavill, but um, uh, it wasn't to be in that game, unfortunately. Um, so that was a great game, but that, that wasn't my high. And 
my high, in fact, was uh, from the Force Crusaders game. And it happened very early on. Bigby scored a try very early. And, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty standard try. But, geez, it was just remar- – and I had my doubts on Digby going to the Crusaders. I, you know, I didn't think he'd have it in his, his – he's now torn us apart in the, in the Brisbane 10s competition. He had a pretty good game uh, against the Queensland Reds at Suncorp and then scores in the first couple of minutes against the Force again, his other old club. But it was just the Digby of old. Remember how he just used to run off Guinea? You know, it had that sort of you know, instinct with him. So I can't remember if it was Bryn Hall, whoever the halfback was for the Crusaders. But – there's a, a front-on view in slow motion, and Digby just looks up and sees where the gaps is, and he positions him perfectly and, and gets his wheels in motion and is just in the exact right time, place the right time to get this inside ball from his halfback and run around, run away to score from the base of a ruck. It was just Digby of old, so that was a, a great thrill to see that happen um, in a game that, unfortunately, the force got smashed in. Um, uh, low point of the round, anything stand out for you, Hugh? Well, I'll let you touch, Reg, on, on what happened um, in the Jags. Just just on the Rebels, that'll be my... I suppose my low point for those guys is, you know, feeling for them and, and their fans. Their depth is just not there, and that was what killed them in the end. They had a, you know, shocking run of injuries in that game, and, um, uh, and you know, Chibber Hansen went down, and they lost another... Uh, I think they lost a couple of other players as well. And... and you know, people talking about, well, you know, if we if we uh, take away a super team, well, how does that really help the other sides? And yet, look, you know, you throw, you throw a couple of force players in the Rebels side. In that starting side, it doesn't really take it to the next level, but it certainly will help their depth because that was where they got found out. The Waratahs had, you know, capped Wallabies coming off the bench in guys like Nayara Voro, um, and um, Paddy Ryan and these guys coming off the bench, and and the Rebels are, are pulling guys from you know club rugby more or less, and and that that was the that was the difference in the end. They the Rebels ran out of steam, and, and the Waratahs came home with a wet sail. So it's um to to mix metaphors in a horrible way. Um, so look, it's it, um yeah. So that, that's my point. The Rebels un- the Rebels in that last twenty minutes, they just you felt for them because they just had nothing left. So, so, yeah, so, Reg, what did happen versus the Hags? I haven't even seen the score. Oh, mate, so it's 22-8, the Jaguars. Um, look, we had two yellow cards early. I think they might have been the 12th, 13th minute, both of them. So, and my down is this one. Ed O'Neill. Oh, look, the Reds were terrible. They didn't deserve to win, and, and Stilesy has acknowledged that. The discipline was really poor. Again, our attacking play, we, we are, you know, we've got some very... Yeah, quality players, Paua, Hunt, Carmichael Hunt had his best game for the Reds, it was great, um, uh, Karevi, but we're just not clicking in that back line, it's, the, the combinations just aren't working at the moment, maybe the forwards aren't getting enough metres, but anyway, so Edo Nabuli got yellow carded, and that's my down, my low for the round, was this decision, it was just a ridiculous decision, so Edo's coming off his wing to make a big tackle, swung the arm around to to complete the tackle and knock the ball down. I think it's actually the second time he's done it this year. I think he got yellow-carded last time too. So he gets a yellow card for deliberate throw, knocked down, which I think is one of the most ludicrous decisions I've seen. Now, later in the game, one of the Jaguars gets yellow-carded for the same thing, but at least in that situation, you can see the guy stop and his hand actually travels up to, to, to you know, propel the ball, the, the, where the, the ball's going. So I think that was justified, and I, and I don't think that's just red eyes. So anyway, Edo goes to the bin after 12 minutes, 
from the resulting, I think they kick for touch, take the line out. Kane Douglas takes the maul down. There's some debate whether it was a new maul and he was fine. Uh, he got yellow carded as well. No warning, just you know, 12 minutes into the game. So we're down to 13 men. They scored 12 points in those 10 minutes. And and um, the the final difference between the teams was 14 points. So, you know, that, that was a fairly monumental stage of the game, unfortunately. And uh, it just completes a tour for hell from us. Yeah, and while they were playing with a bunch of key players as well. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we, we rested a few. Uh, Quaid wasn't there, Jake McIntyre started and probably didn't take the most of his opportunities, you know, drifted across field a fair bit, which is what he's been criticised from doing. So, uh, you know, I don't know if there's other options, eh? whether move Paya Ua to, to 10 to give him a run, Hunt might come into the centres, I don't know, Henry Tafu, but there's some real questions there for the Reds to, to, um, to answer there and... Uh, George Smith was rested, uh, Nick Frisby was rested, but uh, hopefully they're, <laughs> they're invigorated because they've got a tough one this week. Mm. And speaking Did, of which... You, yeah, 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 we move on to that. So the Aussie yeah. team. So last question. So fascinating round and that our top team, our, most, well, our best performing team, the Brumbies, are actually on a bye and there's no more local derbies to protect us. This is a Kiwi team weekend. So we've got... Um, where's my uh, draw? So here we go. So we've got the Highlanders hosting the Rebels, then we've got the Blues hosting the Force, then we've got the Reds actually hosting the Hurricanes, and then on Sunday afternoon, is it, the Waratahs hosting the Crusaders. So uh, four Aussie trans-Tasman games. Do we have any hope of getting a win this weekend, Matt? Um, and, and, and where? Uh, not really, no. Um, well, look, look if, you, if we go by the Cavill... Um, the Cavill coefficient, which no, is, you know, exactly. basically uh, don't back. Um, look, I don't know, only because I'm going to go to the game, I'm, I'm hopeful that the Tars might better pull something out, but I just can't imagine. I, I don't know, the Crusaders have looked so damn good. Have the Crusaders lost? Um, I'm not sure. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm really struggling. No, they, they haven't, mate. Five from five. I mean, maybe if the Reds hadn't been playing like an absolute drain... Uh, and had all of their players, you might think, maybe at home against the Hurricanes, but uh, uh, not, uh, they don't have all their players and the bit they have been playing like a drain. Um, <laughs> so it's it's a pretty toughy uh, Rebs away at the Highlanders. That's another slaughterhouse. And then you've got the Blues hosting the Western Force. I don't know, maybe. Um, but the Blues have been playing pretty well this year, uh, or better than in previous years anyway, and pulling off some big wins here and there. Mate, it's going to be another tough weekend. Uh, Hugh, you're the leader of the tipping. Tipping guru. I'm actually. Is that anymore or no? <laughs> I'm actually. I'm actually in second. Um, I've I've dropped down. I've I've plunged down the rankings to second. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll be I'll be making that up this week. Trust me. Um, yeah. Well, look, I'm looking online, and um, so the four matches. The, hurric- the, the longest odds is the Crusaders, uh, who are at $1.35. Uh, the Hurricanes, $1.13. And uh, the Blues and really? the Highlanders, yep. $1.05. So oh God. you put all four in a multi, and you're getting odds of $1.70 across a four-game four game <laughs> stretch that the Kiwis are going to beat the Australian team. So I think the bookies have worked out the Cavill coefficient here, which is um, <laughs> that uh, go with the Kiwis. Um I think the Waratahs have a bit of a chance. Uh, um, playing at home on a Sunday afternoon, they tend to do well there. And, you, you know, you just... I keep hoping and I keep, 
you know, keep hoping that they're going to find form and it's it's coming around the corner and, and the Crusaders are due a loss. So um, I don't know. I don't think I'll be tipping them, though. But the big, the big factor there is, and you mentioned him as a highlight of the round, and he was, but I think Foley's going to be out again, is he not? Or at least uh, he's, I think he's some more concussion symptoms post-game, so he'll be watched carefully. I'd, I would be banking on him starting, and if he doesn't start, you're a no-show, unfortunately. Oh, wow. So is this is concussion again, you say? Yeah, it came out today, some news that uh, he's under watch again, so that's that's a massive blow. I, I agree. I think if Foley starts, you're a good chance against the Crusaders, but with Foley gone, um, and even under concussion cloud, uh, I wouldn't be going near you. Wow. Well, look, there is another... Uh I say match, but set of matches. It's a tournament this weekend, though, that, um, where I think we should see some Australian success, and that's the Scots College Rugby Sevens Tournament. Um, so it's at Scots College, 1st of April. Um, get yourself along there. Um, a bunch of uh, great people to watch. Last year's uh, winners from King's College in Auckland. You've got some top Fiji and rugby school sides. Who's going to be there? You got, uh, you know, Riverview, Canberra Grammar, Brisbane State High School, um, the Waratahs under 18 development squads, all sorts of stuff. We've also got the girls playing, Canbala and Skeggs, um, and you know, all sorts of things going on there. Plenty of things to see. You got to have the Australian men's and women's seven teams are going to be there. Um, it's all on. So um, yeah, get along there on, on uh, April the first uh, for the the Scots College sevens. Uh, apparently, it was a cracker last year, and again this year. Yeah, good stuff. Well, that uh, encourage you to do that, and also get out there and support. Grassroots rugby. If you're frustrated with the AU, you're, you're over Super Rugby. Um, there, it's all on. I think uh, Shoot Shield Shield starts this weekend. Queensland Premier Rugby has been going for two weekends, so it's in its third weekend. I'm pretty sure over in uh, the west it started, maybe down south in Victoria as well. Not too sure about Canberra, but all the club rugby is starting as well. So we encourage you all to get out there and and support rugby at whatever level you want. There's plenty of opportunities. Also wanted to shout out to the Rebels. They obviously are away to the Highlanders this week, but it is their 100th game as a club. So congratulations to them, um, and we hope you enjoy the experience. And uh, to the force, we're thinking of all our... Lovely Western Force fans, and we uh, we hope that um, you're holding up and that um, that uh, you, you enjoy your rugby for as long as you can because it's a it's a great sport. Um, pretty much wraps us up, boys. Matt, Hugh, thanks for your time. Thanks, mate. Another cheers, Reg. To all our listeners via Eon Sports Radio or the podcast, thanks for joining in, and we'll catch you next week. Oh.